Welcome everybody from around the world. Hello everyone. Welcome to Commentaries from the Edge. This is Karen Goldberg and here's what's coming up. I'm honored and delighted that once again on our program is Hapin Im, the founder and director and president of a special community organization here in Los Angeles, California. There are 5,000 churches, and the name of the organization is FACE, F-A-C-E. Haypin is dedicated to making sure Asians have a voice at the table where decisions are made. FACE is a model of giving service for Koreans and open to everyone in need here in the Los Angeles community. So thank you so much, Haypin, for giving time today. We're going to be talking about some very current and important issues that are going on in Los Angeles and really in the United States as a whole. So thank you for giving your time and your expertise to this program once again, the second time. Thank you. It's, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your great work. Thank you, Heipin. So we just had a press conference here at the offices of Heipin Eames FACE organization. And basically, um, I'll, I'll let you, Heipin, talk about what the point of the press conference was. Well, we were here today to really advocate um, for justice for a Korean business owner in the fashion district who was killed uh, by two suspects over a wig. And the suspects actually, after they were arrested uh, and were in the car, uh, went on social media bragging without any remorse. And so I'm so grateful that really a coalition of multi-ethnic leaders, but particularly uh, with Najee Ali, uh, reached out even the first time we hosted our first press conference to say that there really wasn't enough attention uh, on this case, which is true for so many of the Asian business owners. This is a lived reality, as well much as uh, true for some of the business owners, even in the fashion district, whatever color you are, but particularly the Asian community. And so we want to make sure that um, the word on the street for future criminals is that there will be repercussions. That's what we are demanding from the DA, uh, George Gascon that they be tried as adults. Because again, the word on the street right now is that there is no accountability, that basically um, the city, the county is soft on crime. And so these individuals are very emboldened in coming into stores and, and not just shoplifting, but assaulting and literally murdering individuals. And so again, we stood in solidarity today to cry out for justice for Tommy Lee. And we talked last time, our very first episode together, Haypian, was uh, titled Asians in America, the Invisible Minority Under Attack. So he, here's another example, both of uh, an, an uh, Asian man being murdered, mm -hmm. uh, defenseless, mm -hmm. and at the same time, it's also part of crime in general and, and kind of the certain desperation in our yes. society right now in the United States that many people are, are afraid of the crime. So you brought to attention, you know, several different issues yeah. in that press conference that I think is very important. 
I think right now, though, you know, one of the things that's really dominating um, the the conversation of where we are as a community here in Los Angeles, and really I understand, of course, with global media has gone worldwide, and that is the horrific and disgusting recording well, not the recording was discussing, but the outcome of the recording of a conversation of three of our most prominent leaders in what is called here in Los Angeles our city council, who runs our city, um, and the kind of impact that recording has had on creating a kind of crisis of wondering how can this community be together in its enormous diversity because Los Angeles is known as one of the most diverse diverse places on the planet. Um, so I think the bottom line is that, you know, our public officials are basically we have placed our trust in them uh, in basically making decisions that will benefit all of L.A., all of us regardless what your color, your ethnicity, your immigration status, your, um, you know, sexual preferences, whatever religion, uh, they're supposed to represent and be, again, looking at the best interest for all of us rather than for their own self-interest. And the fact that um, they basically lashed out there was really no one who escaped in terms of their hate. Even, you know, even I, I, I know that these individuals were um, Hispanic, but even in the Hispanic category, there were subsets of pe- subset categories where, you know, they were being referred as being ugly and, and things of that nature. So it's and also age groups, too. Right. Um, so, again, it was just a big betrayal of trust. Although perhaps personally, um, as a Korean American that had gone through redistricting even 10 years ago, um, our eyes were definitely awakened to the games that are played. Um, But still, you know, to hear it in this live recording um, is devastating slash disappointing as well. Well, I think particularly because, as you said, these were leaders that people looked up to. And I think at the same time, it's been a great challenge to the Los Angeles community by the fact that those conversations in which people are belittled, people are insulted, people are disrespected in such an extreme way as was on that conversation. And as you said, it sort of touched on so many different groups within Mm -hmm. the Los Angeles community and in the world, for that matter. it really is a challenge to everyone to think about conversations that we all might be mm-hmm. subject to or listening to and the concept of speaking up mm-hmm. because not only were are they criticized for what went on in that conversation, but for those people who didn't participate as much in the horrific comments that were made, they didn't speak up. Mm-hmm. They didn't challenge them. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of it's sort of an issue for all of us to think about how important it is to speak up as a way of, of changing the world because really, you know, as we've talked about, there's systematic ways in which people are kept down. Mm-hmm. And 
<laughs> I think we, you know, we were we were discussing at one point, Hapin, you and I, about this idea of you know how members of what was once considered a very oppressed group in the history of Los Angeles, that is the Latino community, mm -hmm. the Mexican community, the mm -hmm. El Salvadorian community, and many others in the Latino community, how they themselves were acting as oppressors. Mm. Yes. So, you know, as you have said, uh, when I heard um, this recording, the first response is to be upset and angry at the ones who spoke. But at the same time, um, it also pricked my conscience and challenged me in terms of making me aware that I need to be sure <laughs> that I keep in good company and to be vigilant if and when these conversations arise that I have the wherewithal to speak up. I think many of us have found ourselves in rooms and conversations where uh, we may not agree with what the person is saying, but for various reasons, whether it's you don't want to take over the agenda that's happening, or that perhaps the person who's speaking has all this power over you, whatever those reasons may be, we may actually hesitate to speak up. But I think this recording and all this attention um, and the outrage that has um, come as a result, which rightfully so, <laughs> um, really has challenged me. But I think we should challenge all of us. First of all, again, to keep to keep in good company. <laughs> but second, that when those situations arise, to have the wherewithal to step in, to speak up, and to say that you do not agree as well. And I think when when we were talking about ways in which it's difficult to speak up, there's even been mentioned that it's very difficult to speak up within family members and family groups who might also be saying hateful things and you it takes sometimes a lot to speak up yes. within your own family that's right but we are at a point in our in our status here in our society in our communities in which we can't afford not to come together we can't afford to have the old prejudices dominate our society we have to come together in order to solve the kind of you know deep-seated problems that are affecting our way of life, mm -hmm. our feelings about mm -hmm. our our individual neighborhoods, mm -hmm. and of course you know in Los Angeles it's well known that we are considered a center for homelessness, mm -hmm. which is really such mm -hmm. a great humanitarian tragedy. Mm -hmm. So we we need to really uh, be able to focus on problem solving, and we can't do that unless we can really come together and, and, and appreciate mm -hmm. what each of us have to offer to honor each other's background. Uh, otherwise, you know, we're all going to, we'll either sink together or we'll rise together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important point where we can really talk about your organization. Mm -hmm. And as I want to mention again, it's called the Faith and Community Empowerment, F-A-C-E, FACE. And I think uh, it would be interesting for everyone to know more about it because I think you created a model for community organizing and for really a humanitarian outreach to, to the surrounding community. So maybe tell us a little more specifically about it. Sure. Um, so our organization, uh, we celebrate 21 years of service um, this year. And my model actually came from an African-American church. 
I saw the it's called First Amy mm-hmm. Church, led by then Pastor Cecil Murray and the Economic Development by Reverend Mark Whitlock. It was an amazing model that I saw where um, they went beyond the walls of the church and partnered with the broader community. And and in that way, uh, they received additional funding. Like three million was their church offering. They brought in additional twelve million. Um, and so they're obviously there with that kind of resource, they could um, have greater impact. But it wasn't just that that was really impressive. But I saw the mutuality that was created through the partnerships. So suddenly, whether it was government agencies, whether it was elected officials, corporate America, media, whoever it may be, um, who may not necessarily like, you know, be promoting a church, but because of the partnership, they were lauding the work of the church in rooms and places where God church or communities of color or underserved communities are rarely ever mentioned. And I saw that through that mutuality and the partnership, they they had a stake in the church's success. And as such, the church's reputation grew um, as a value stakeholder, and they were invited into many of the decision-making rooms. Part of the reason why I say this model that I saw was quite impressive is that you know we were able to replicate it with lots of miracles. Uh, we've had over 800 partners from White House to Fortune 500 companies. We've helped Tons of people with home ownership, with down payment assistance, foreclosure, jobs, mental health, um, capacity building of faith leaders, and so much more. Um, but you know, we're not a big shop. But through the partnerships, we've been able to do so much. But why do I say that? When I looked at all the partners that we had at our twentieth anniversary celebration last year. It was multicolor, <laughs> especially leaders of the Black community, but so many others. And I'm so grateful. In many ways, I think some of our best partners and advisors have come from those outside my community. And I think again, many of us being human, we default to kind of holding on to our own tribes. And I think that's what we heard in many ways um, in that recording. But also, power does corrupt, and so there are many ways to advocate for your tribe. But you could do it in such a way that you could create a big pie for everyone. And so I have to say again, I'm not shy. I took the lessons from the First Amy Church. I'm not shy about my faith or my ethnicity or being female, whatever. But I learned through that model how to set a table in which others seek to be at this table because they find that there is a blessing. Uh, that they will receive and be blessed and be a blessing, right? So I have to say, whether it's the Jewish community who has invited me to Israel and I'm on their I Am Jewish Federation banner, <laughs> to the Hispanic community, to the African-American community, to uh, the Muslim community, to the Hindu community. I mean, like, I I have to say, like, so many groups have come and I learn from the best at the First Amy Church model, right? But um, so I, I think the story that there is a win when you can set a table where you don't have to be shy about who you stand for and who you are. You don't need to hide that. But in a way that others feel welcome 
and that they feel like by being in that same room at the same table, that they will also be honored and valued. Um, and I think that is the message that I want to say. Yes, go advocate for your tribe because no one else will do it the best way that you can, right? But there is a pathway, and so again, in this country, you know, I say this racist system doesn't discriminate who they discriminate against, right? And so every group that has come to this country or were here originally. We have all been victims, and when our chance to have power comes, we should not become the oppressors. I want to highlight、uh, Reverend Mark Willock, who was my mentor at First Amy, and when the Atlanta massacre happened, where you know six of the eight victims were Asian women, particularly Korean women, at the、uh, spas. Um, you know, the the white、uh, culprit basically said that he wanted to get rid of the temptation, and so he was basically objectifying these women who were in the '60s, '70s, which is like the most ridiculous situation. But、um, he was able to come along with me on my journey of being、uh, of advocating again for the Asian community. And at times he mentioned、uh, that, you know, he even、uh, actually titled an article in Alpen "Asian Lives Matter." You know, there's a huge sensitivity around, you know, something around that, right? And but he didn't say it just in a quiet room. He called a leading black newspaper to publish it. He also got it on the front page of the Christian. Um, a is called the Amy、uh, Christian Recorder that goes to every Amy Church pastor in the world, and basically he, at times said that、um, even the black community could be narcissistic about social justice. That's pretty like you know out there, right? So you're you're really talking about people joining yes across yes as, as you say、yes. if you want to think、right. of all of us as tribal in yes, in different yes, ways yes yes you're talking about Coming together, yes, beyond the tribal yes, feeling, right. And so I asked him in one of these forums, like Mark, I know that you don't have to do this. Why are you doing this? And he said he didn't want to be guilty of doing to Asians what white people have done to Black community.、Mm-hmm. And so I want to go back about the idea of of, of those who are oppressed when they come into power, oppressing others, that. At the bottom line, we're all human. We all have gifts to bless one another, and we need to remember. We need to remember that by coming into power, and then oppressing others the way we have been oppressed, does not do good for anyone. Well, you're the originally, you know, when you were talking about. What it could mean for all of us to sit at a table together and join one another, and use each other's gifts to help、yes. one another, then you're talking about a wonderful world. It's it's like the world that we aspire to, and you know, as we're sitting here in the fall of 2022, we're facing a major election coming up in November here in the United States, 
And how this election goes is far more important than usually what was called a midterm election. And the results of it will will mean whether we bring people into power who have that sensibility or we don't. And, you know, the world looks at us and, and actually hopes for us also that we aspire to the higher because we are a leader in the world and how the world goes often is how we go or vice versa. So um, it's a very special moment here. And I think that the thing that FACE has done is that you created something originally to empower, as your title goes, to the Korean community. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that you shared, as you became more powerful and empowered, Mm -hmm. you shared all that and you mentioned, you know, all your services. There's such a menu of services that you offer. And the fact that it's open to anyone, then anyone can walk up to you, anyone can come into your office, anyone can call you Mm -hmm. and receive the same type of coaching, of training, of services. That that's very unique. There's very few organizations that don't have very strong restrictions about Mm -hmm. who can receive services. Mm -hmm. And I think that in itself is a model Mm -hmm. because you and you've never stopped being that way as more and more opportunities you've had for the Korean community, you've you've spread that around. Well, you know, I kind of fumbled upon it. It's because uh, it's kind of interesting uh, when we did it, all the experts uh, when we're introducing resources, we're non-Korean. And so, and also our database actually was mixed and we didn't have a technology to target a certain group. And so everyone came and they said, you know, we were targeting initially the Korean community who was not being properly served. But when other people saw what we were providing, they said, we want to come too. And so it just became just naturally that everyone was going to be served. And, you know, I have to say in the subsequent years, there have been uh, funding which was allocated for only one group, but I felt like, you know what, everyone else should be served. Um, give, us, well. give us an, a specific example yeah, so, of one of, of the, yes. particularly the program that had to do with helping with housing. Oh, okay. So housing. Um, so again, you know, um, the city, the county is really, even this country as a whole, I, again, the API community continues to be not served because of the model minority myth that somehow we're doing well. But uh, home ownership, as an example, when you disaggregate the API community, and API stands for uh, Asian Pacific Islander, right? Um, basically, there's 50 groups under the API umbrella. We have different languages, different culture, different parts of the world, right? And so when they lump all of us together, it really masks a lot of the the needs of the subgroups. So as an example, homeownership, Korean and black homeownership rate is the same at 42%. Everyone is shocked, including the Koreans, because we're always told we're doing great. But there's seven other API subgroups below the black homeownership rate and 12 uh, API subgroups below the Hispanic homeownership rate. And so when we first started off, again, we learned about all these, like now there's like over $140,000 of down payment assistance from the city of Los Angeles alone. I mean, that's amazing, right? Amazing. Um, so when we heard about this resource, we wanted to do it uh, to let the Korean community know who are often overlooked. But over the years, we have come to, again, serve everyone. And about three years ago, before the COVID, ABC covered one of our clients 
22-year-old Kane Rivera, only making 35,000 income, and because of our over $115,000 of down payment, he only paid $2,900 out of pocket. He said his mortgage payment is lower than his rent. So again, that's one example where we are serving everyone. Um, a recent one was a, a great program called Youth at Work offered by the county. The county AAPI population makes up 17%, but only 3% of the participants were AAPI youth. So we advocated for two years and we finally got a contract to promote it in the Asian community. But you know what? There were a lot of non-Asians who also came for our help. We were being paid to serve the API youth, but we didn't discriminate. We opened it up to everyone because I thought it was such an amazing program. 14 through 24-year-olds, they get over 140 year, uh, 40 hours of job, paid job training with over 600 employers from public uh, officials, government agency, private sector to nonprofit. And they're now being paid over $16. A 14-year-old being paid... $16 an hour. Yes, $16.04 to be more exact, right? But isn't that amazing? And they get 20 hours just to get uh, interview resume training. You should be paying someone else to get that training, but they're being paid (laughs) to do so. So those are a couple of examples. But our C2 Leadership Institute that we're equipping pastors to do what First Amy Church did. Right to be able to partner with the broader community to increase their impact. Our 15-week boot camp, again, various ethnicities from various areas that we're taking them for a very transformative experience. For them personally, where they could imagine now a vision for their ministry that's so much bigger than being limited by their own capacity. But then taking that and partner with the broader community to provide greater services that will benefit everyone. Yes, that's that is just incredible that you first of all that you could you had the research uh, ability to find these things and then to match them up mm-hmm. and to be able to organize it in such a way that you could get the word out. And it's really also I think something that's happened in the last years, and maybe this is also a globally around the world, is understanding that so much of change for the better mm-hmm. has happened through faith communities. Yeah. And you could look you could look to the Asian community, you could think of Martin Luther King Jr. and his uh, spiritual leadership mm-hmm. or the Dalai Lama's mm-hmm. spiritual leadership or what happened in South Africa yes. with Desmond Tutu. Yes. So people are finally realizing that there's so much power in the faith community to put out the the best messages. Like the message right now, at least for our own country, could be to the congregants, go and vote. Your vote is more important than ever. And that our democracy Mm. is hanging by a thread and that that's the most most powerful thing that we could do as mm-hmm. as a people mm-hmm. and maybe as a faith community right yes. now from the pulpit yes. can actually promote yes. something like that. Yes. So it's all it's all part of the same picture of really trying to bring people together and for each one, as you said, each one to use mm-hmm. the particular gift or maybe the particular power that they have mm-hmm. for the greater good. Well, so the as a believer, as a Christian, the Bible is very clear about not staying silent and letting evil continue. 
And I believe voting is one way to ensure that we're not staying silent, but that we are using the power of voting to express our voice for a society in which it will allow all of us again to prosper. Yes, that's a, that's a beautiful way to put it. And we can only hope for that. And I thank you again so much, Hayfin, for the time. And I know how much, how busy you are, how involved you are, how you practice what you preach. And I think that um, we're very grateful to have you. You enrich our community and you give uh, hope for a better world for everybody. Well, thank you, Karen. And I think uh, if anyone, I have the highest respect for you <laughs> for just Again, I share with everyone that I meet when I introduce Kara that she has really brought a broad coalition of faith leaders when she was serving at the L.A. County Department of Mental Health. And she stayed on. And again, faith leaders, as you say, they're so busy, right? And perhaps maybe not as properly trained or equipped uh, in their leadership training to engage with the broader community. And so the fact that you were able to bring on a monthly basis for year in, year out, <laughs> you know, this group of pastors, large group of pastors, faith leaders, I'm sorry, uh, of multi-religions to come together to look at mental health and how to better serve the city is, and the county is quite, quite impressive. So respect all to you, Thank Karen. you. Thank you so much for that comment. And please, uh, for our listeners, if you'd like, hit the subscribe button and you can receive many notices of episodes in the future. Thank you again, Hey Ping. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Commentaries from the Edge. Please subscribe and you'll be notified of all future episodes.